So I know that this isn't a housekeeping episode, but I did want to start off with a story just because I know last week we spoke about the residential schools uh, in Canada where, where indigenous children were being uh, concentrated into and being abused and being killed and yeah. their deaths were being uh, covered up. Because remember, folks, it, you know, if there's one thing we care about, it's caring about the children and caring about when the children are assaulted and when they're <laughs> and when they're wronged and everything. And, you know, we'll 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 prevent trans people from from living their lives because we want to, quote unquote, protect the children. Uh, but when it's indigenous children, uh, you know, we don't really give a fuck uh, as, a, as a country. You know, we're still doing this shit at the border. And also the residential schools, as you know, we talked about last episode, uh, we're also in the U.S. And I found out recently started in the U.S. And we actually gave our, our system to Canada, and that's how those uh, indigenous residential schools started off over there. Shocking. Shocking, right? But uh, but the tradition continues. Uh, Hubbard County Sheriff Corey Ox says 28 protesters were arrested on July 1st at a pipeline right-of-way 10 miles north of Park Rapid. Uh, Ox says protesters spray-painted equipment, attacked an Enbridge officer, fuck yeah, and attempted to run over one of their officers with a vehicle. I don't think this actually happened. In addition, 12 steel apparatuses called sleeping dragons were used to attach water protectors to and to immobilize pipeline equipment. Uh, there is, um, there's currently another water protector, uh, issue happening you know i uh i don't know exactly another pipeline problem basically. yeah yeah uh, and indigenous people are trying to protect their lands trying to protect their water uh which many tribes still don't have access to fresh fucking water in the first place but uh but damn it if we're not gonna plow them plow them down and uh you know enforce our will upon them uh, wow yeah on July's, on, yeah uh on july 2nd deputies responded to an enbridge pipe yard off county road three in lake hattie township where three protesters had chained themselves to the main gate of the yard which prevented workers inside the yard from leaving officers removed the three out-of-state residents from the gate arrested them and took them to the hubbard county jail so this is interesting because this is from pbs and they're still going with this narrative like that the cops gave uh, you know, it prevented the workers from leaving, uh, so that's what the problem was. And, oh, we arrested them, and they lived out of state. Uh, on Tuesday, dozens of water protectors shut down work at, at, line, at a Line 3 construction site near Willow River, a part of the Mississippi watershed where Line 3 will cross. Atkin County Sheriff Dan Gita says six people were arrested. The protesters locked themselves to equipment and built several blockades on access roads. Gita says the protesters filled the sleeping dragons used with feces designed to hinder their extraction. Dozens more joined Winona LaDuke, the executive director of Honor the Earth, to stand in the Willow River in prayer. Um, so long story short, folks, uh, water protectors are still trying to protect their water and uh, still being arrested and and uh, squashed down with, uh, with, with any sort of protest. Have you heard about these? I saw a couple things on Facebook, so. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a little bit. I, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to look into it, like you know. So I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, like it's so funny because I saw it pop up online just after you and I recorded the housekeeping episode, and I was like, "Son of a bitch!" Was, <laughs> this would have been, this would have been right at, right in line. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it just a... it just goes to show though, like you know, when people are always like, "Oh, this stuff's in the past," you know, forget about it. It happened so long ago, but this shit is still happening, right? It's still happening. And, like, I don't... Yeah, it is. I, I really don't know what else to say. Like, just open your fucking eyes. 
You know, there's so many people who are against history uh, being brought up and, oh, well, it doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I sound like a broken fucking record at this point, but like clearly we're not heeding history. It's not history. We're living in it. Like this is right. all just, you know, everything, everything has, has evolved to a newer version of oppression, to a more sanitized and acceptable version of oppression. Uh, but, uh, yeah, check the show notes and sources for, for a couple articles on that. I actually don't like this fucking article that I got. Uh, I'm going to find a fucking better one because, ooh, let's go to democracy now and see, uh, see how centrist they are about oh, it. No, that'll course. be another time. But, uh, yeah, anyway, Enbridge Pipeline protests in Hubbard County, folks. Check it out. Support indigenous peoples and their land, right? Let's fucking start protecting this stuff. It's, it's. It's just, you know, it's crazy. I mean, look at, I mean, you know, I don't think we brought it up in the, in the housekeeping episode, but that, uh, that pipeline or whatever that blew up in the ocean, right? And the ocean was Oh, yeah, the ocean was, was on fire. The ocean was on fire. It was the most apocalyptic thing I've, I've ever seen. Actually, that's not true. I, I feel like every year we see something Wildfires like that. last yeah, year. Right? I, I, yeah, right? <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I'm like, <laughs> never mind. This is a, a normal occurrence now, but it, yes, it, it looked like the fires of hell were literally opening. <laughs> to the earth and uh nobody gives a fuck right it's just like we we still can't get joe biden to to you know do any kind of uh real you know change to protect the planet and nothing even remotely close to a green new deal um you know and and no one seems to really care and there's still climate change deniers i mean we are we are in the midst of uh insane changes in temperature um throughout the world right i mean i know last week washington state hit 115 degrees uh i mean that's fucking nuts they they're not they're not used to that right and i think uh, death valley hit 131 um which is i think the second highest recorded temperature there ever uh or at least the highest that was well, recorded as long in as modern it's- history as long as it's the second highest, no one's gonna give a fuck. Right, like that's right. the wildest part. They'll be like, "Oh well, it, well, you know, it's been that bad before. It'll, it'll, it'll even itself out." But you know, j- just like you said, like our, it's it's so funny because we are quote unquote a first world country, right. right? We call ourselves the best country in the world, and we have everything, you know. But what? What what's to separate us? You know when they always they always criticize uh, Soviet Russia, right? And they're like, "Oh well, everything went into the military, and the people couldn't live." Blah blah blah. Okay. How much of our tax dollars are going into the military while fucking condominiums collapse in Florida? Yeah. How come we can't get a fucking building right if we're the best country in the world? Well, that's that's okay. the thing, right? They, they, they'll say, you know, listen, uh, if you go to a country like China, right, they're not going to build their buildings right. You got you to do it this way, like the capitalist way. You know, not that communist bullshit, but then we fucked up the building so bad and there's like, what, 120, 130 people missing but we know they're probably dead since they've been under the rubble for two weeks and they haven't been found. Dead so. or dying, yeah. Like so. You know, also, like, but just in that same vein, you know, when when we when we talk about Texas, when it, when Texas was in extreme cold, they couldn't handle it, right? Right. When Texas is now in extreme heat, they can't handle it, and they're known for being pretty hot down there, right? Yeah. So so so, how are we so awesome when we can't even like? 
when we can't build 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 stuff not i'm not saying that we should prepare for this level of heat i'm saying that climate change is leading to this level of heat right and and it you know it's not just affecting the you know the rainforests and everything like no it's affecting everybody everywhere your buildings and your electricity and your transformers are not built to withstand it's, it's literally in abuse. your backyard you know yes but you know yeah. it, it is important to mention i think that texas has that private power grid right that that they uh, they they tote as being like this you know this special uh, this power grid that was supposed to run so much better than than the way everything else is I don't know it's just it, it, you know it, it clearly didn't work and it, it's a really flawed system over there and they showed that it, it it wouldn't be able to handle this but in general I don't think anyone's ready for for this level of of climate change of this weather you know we're we have a tropical storm hitting us right now I mean there's it's it's pretty chaotic, and the fact that we're not doing anything to try and prevent irreversible change to the core temperature of the planet is is kind of frightening, right? I mean, like you know, you and I are, are in our early thirties, very early thirties, and we're uh, you know hopefully going to be around a long time. But I'm I'm scared to see what this planet looks like in, in 40, 50 years. You know, like I I don't I don't know. You remember in Bird Box when Sandra Bullock. Uh had to like give those kids strawberry pop tarts and she was like this is what strawberry tastes like yeah that's gonna be us dude we're gonna be like oh this is what a sunrise looked like when it was normal or this is these are what trees were like or like who's to say we're not gonna be metro 2033 living under the fucking living under the 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 surface because it's no longer habitable and it and yeah it all it all comes from capitalism it comes from, let me see a tree, and instead of figuring out how I can grow more and feed my community, I'm going to figure out how much I can sell that tree for, and then I don't care what fucking happens to it. Yeah, and I, you know, That's, yeah. I don't know, it, it, I think it just comes down to people not wanting to change their lifestyle mm-hmm. in any way, you know, but there are so many options right i mean like you don't have to do it all at once you don't have to you don't have to go vegan right now eventually you'll have to when uh, we can't sustain all the, this animal agriculture but uh but you know there's just like so many steps we could take you know and i, I know there's always that argument that jobs are going to be lost right and you know uh for coal miners and you know oil workers or but you train them on new jobs right if if the government actually comes up with a good plan and they do this correctly, then they not only start using renewable, you know, uh, energy sources, but they train these workers how to, you know, be employed to, to operate these these new uh, these new inventions, how to how to maintain them, how to repair them. You know, they, it opens up a whole new slew of jobs, and we should put the money into training these people. We shouldn't just throw them off to the side. I don't I don't think that's the answer, right? Like we should Well that's assuming they care about the workers though. You yeah. you care about the workers. You're approaching this as as a as an empathetic and logical individual. Right. right? And that's right. you know, and while while I respect it, I think that's your fucking problem. Is that, yeah, I know, know. I know, I know, I know. We don't see, we don't see, pro, uh, we don't see profits over people. We see people over profits, and because of that, we will never fully understand the mentality that you know that leads to these sort of things. I, I just think um, if we all, if we all demanded that our tax dollars go to helping these people, retraining them, making sure that they can live their life, rather than you know building a bunch of more bombs to to kill people in other countries, we probably have a much better society, right? We already have the most powerful military in the world. Can we can we cut that military budget in half, right? I I like to see her go to zero, but that you know that's never gonna happen. But let's cut it in half. Let's cut it by by a quarter. Cut it by one one fourth, 
and use that money to to build his new resources and train people uh, and give them a chance to to live like a you know a life in this this new system. But it's not going to happen. It's just it's just not going to happen. And I I don't know I don't know what point you know people are going to get get to because we're going to be forced to make these decisions right when the when the world is literally ending and there's there's nothing else we can do. Uh, you know, bombs aren't going to save us, right? Bombs can't restart the earth. I know uh, Sunshine had a plot to uh, blow up the sun so that it would restart, but we can't do it that. It was reigniting the, earth. the sun. Right, was, right, right, know, right. We can't of do that we for. Would earth. Come up with a bomb. <laughs> yes, yeah, we can't reignite the earth. I don't know, man. We're going to have to use time travel. That's going to be the only way. I know. All right, let's uh, invent a time imagine, machine and save the world. Imagine this is already the result of time travel having gone wrong, though. Oh, that'd be and crazy. Keep going back. Whoa, that'd be to... nuts. Oh, my God. Fuck, we should cut this out. Never mind, never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another good another That's our good next idea. short film. That's our next, that's our next short film. Uh, we can pull it off, though. Uh, I do want to bring up this quick thing about British Petroleum. And once again, Ty, uh, yeah, I do believe that each of us uh, does have a responsibility to, to help lessen our quote-unquote carbon footprint. Uh, but uh, I also do want to say that the carbon footprint was a myth created by British Petroleum in the first place. Mm. Uh, and uh, they, success- they they popularized the term carbon footprint in the early aughts. Uh, the company unveiled its quote-unquote carbon footprint calculator in 2004 so one could assess how their normal daily life, going to work, buying food, and <gasps> traveling, is largely responsible for heating the globe. A decade and a half later, carbon footprint is everywhere, right? The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has a carbon calculator. The New York Times has a guide on how to reduce your carbon footprint uh but also we have to acknowledge that it's the corporations that made this up and put the onus on us so you know while yeah we all do have i i I think you know obviously as a preachy vegan and shit like i do think we have a personal responsibility we also have to realize that the corporations uh are the are the the individuals who are like oh well it's not our problem it's your problem bp is going to do worse to the planet than i ever fucking could yeah um you know however that doesn't mean that i have to support factory farming or any of the other industries that i you know that i disagree with right um but i just i just do want to let everybody know that as well uh that it was a giant oil conglomerate um who who came up with this um shocking right so yep fuck them oh and speaking of uh oil conglomerates i do want to talk about a quick thing about pemex who uh were responsible for the uh for the the gulf of mexico water fire it sounds so weird saying that um (laughs) But uh, but Pablo Ramirez, an energy climate uh, campaigner for Greenpeace Mexico, told Climate Home News that it was impossible to calculate the carbon footprint of the gas leak because there is no public information about the amount of gas usually transported by the pipeline, the pipeline that uh, that led to that that fire in, in the ocean. Um, and uh, the lack of transparency in Mexico's energy sector is, quote, very problematic. And uh, it was really just because of a of a bolt of lightning igniting this. That even made the fire happen. Otherwise, nobody would have ever known that, you know, this has just been leaked into the ocean. And it, and what? It's killing our fish. It's killing our wildlife. It's killing it's killing you, whoever eats that shit. Like, I don't know. It's all connected. And the fact that people think it's not just blows my mind. I I don't know. It, no, I, I don't really I know what else to say about that shit. It's... Uh, but uh, but with that, uh, you ready? You ready to bring in the theme song, buddy? Oh yeah, let's uh, let's let's get a beat right now. Woo! Our world is dying. Let's bring in the theme.
Welcome to yet another episode of the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we read between the lines of our favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. the Soy Boy Pseudo-Intellectual, a.k.a. Think Mike Think. And I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host, Ty. Hey, what's going on? Hey, a tie vintable. That's not a great one. It's not a great I, one. You know what's funny? I almost used that and I was like, that sounds terrible. Why used- would I do that? It's not. It does sound terrible. So I'm glad I was the one who said it out loud and, and you didn't have to. Um, but yeah, today we are reviewing a, a, a series that holds a very special place in our hearts. Uh, partially because of the of the animated uh, you know the animated adaptation that's now out on Amazon Prime, uh, but also because uh, fuck Jeff Bezos, but also because, fuck Amazon in general, but also because uh, we've been reading the comic book series uh, for for years, and uh, well, we actually finished it. When yeah, it finished we read a few we read ago. we read it for years. It was a big part of our life, and uh, Robert Kirkman. In general, was I think a, a very influencing uh, figure in in our our lives when we were you know in high school. One hundred percent. And uh, today we are reviewing his work, Invincible. But I don't want to say just Robert Kirkman's work, right? We're talking Corey Walker. We're right, talking right, Ryan right. Otley, right? We're talking. Um, you know what? I even want to throw out. I want to say Cliff Rathburn. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cliff Rathburn is who the the inker. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I'm gonna find the colorist too because uh, just it, it's an incredible fucking team that works on this. It is interesting to me though that Robert Kirkman started Walking Dead and Invincible with one, you know, one artist on each of the books, and then wound up switching to a different artist after a few issues on both books. Isn't that weird? Oh, which? Oh, yeah, he did that with uh, Walking Dead too, right? Yeah, it was Tony it was, Moore, uh, Tony and then it was Moore, Charlie Adler, and then Charlie Adler. Uh, dude, I'm I'm so. Let's just fucking nerd out. I don't really give a fuck about anybody else. I don't care about the uninitiated. And I, this is this episode's for us. We're going from a third rate to a fifth rate podcast, baby. That's right. That's right. You know, we're just gonna have to count on the Loki mini reviews to keep people on board because uh, we're now that we're recording and releasing episodes on the same day, it just shows an absolute disrespect to the fans. Uh, but many shows do. And well, you still I, them, I will so. say it's not because we don't care about them. It's because. Uh, I mean, you've gone we back have to, to work. Care about us, right? Yeah. You've gone back to work. My job has been uh, very demanding as of late, and uh, I'll be honest, mentally, I just haven't been as checked in. But I'm here now to talk about Invincible, and I'm excited about it. Want me to give him the plot? Uh, yeah, just want to mention uh, John Rausch was one of the uh, colorists for Invincible, and then uh, on the show or the comic, seen, uh, Jean Francois comic book. Oh, really? I, I didn't. John Rausch. I don't remember not... his name being on there. Hmm. I don't know. I just I saw maybe he did a couple of covers. I I saw him pop up on uh Oh, he's off Invincible as a, let's go. Let's go. He was canceled for saying the N-word. Let's give it to John Roush, notable <laughs> racist. Imagine. No, we're making that up, guys. We don't know that's true. There doesn't seem to be like a definite reason as to why he was off of it, but I'll I'll include the article in the show notes and sources and uh you know, everyone can make their own distinct d- distinctions. But uh but anyway, yeah. I've uh you know, I've it's, it's, it's an amazing fucking comic book. has a lot of pe- great people who worked on it uh, at all steps. Writing, drawing, inking, uh, you know, coloring, all, all over the place. It's, uh, it really, you know, like you said, uh, you know, has, 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 been, has been special to us. And uh, today we're going to review more so the, the, seri- the animated series, uh, which, you know, has gotten renewed for a second season. 
and uh, and we're just gonna. It's so great because like other people have seen it now, so like I I feel like a god. I feel like (laughs) I know I know so much about this thing that people are just getting into. I feel like well, Invincible came out simultaneously with The Walking Dead. I think actually the first issue predated the first issue of The Walking Dead by a few months, and yes, I think uh, you know Walking Dead is a great it's probably my favorite comic of all time so i'm not here to say it's bad or anything but i do think that it got a lot of the spotlight for many years and kind of you know invincible got pushed to the side a little bit but uh you know in recent years i've seen people say yeah wow invincible might be my favorite superhero comic of all time and so it's, it's finally become kind of popular and you know once we started picking up invincible in i want to say 2005 2006 probably um we we kind of just kept running with it right and went through till the end and uh you know, it, I think from start to finish, it was a very, very good project. And, you know, while not entirely perfect, I think he told the story uh, that they set out to, to tell and they did a great job with it. And we'll see, for those of you who are new, if they do just as good of a job with the animated series. Ty, you want to give them the plot? Oh, yeah, this plot is terrible. But Invincible, an adult animated series based on the Skybound Image comic about a teenager whose father is the most powerful superhero on the planet. Okay, it's pretty close, uh, but yeah. So, so we'll we'll, we'll go off of that because uh, we we are initiated, aren't we, Bruce? <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're uh, you know let's go let's go episode one. Let's just start with episode one. It's about time. Uh, you know this. I didn't know that this was going to be amazing when I watched this first episode, you know, but it, but it, they, they really seem to do some great stuff. Uh, first off, we got to realize that, you know, Kirkman started writing this, you know, over 20 years ago and and he was a very different person. So in the comic book where we see a majority white cast here uh, in the show, we now see a much more diverse cast. Amber, uh, who seems to be a lot more uh, a lot more intelligent, a lot more aware of things. Uh, she's Mark's first girlfriend in the sh- in the in the series guys by the way spoilers are bound i'm gonna spoiler alert is happening right right now folks i should have put that in there spoiler alert is in full effect so if you don't want anything spoiled from the comic books or the tv show just get out now don't listen to this episode (laughs) because uh we're i I don't care i'm going in i'll even talk about how the comic book ends i don't give a fuck whoa Um, yeah i I said it do that but maybe 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 I I don't think Amber was uh was black in the comic either. I believe she was white. Yeah, Amber was white. Yeah, yeah. and uh and you know she uh you know wasn't aware that Mark that Mark was invincible. But uh but here we see that she has like an actual story that she volunteers at, at this you know at at uh, at this local soup kitchen and everything. And uh you know she's actually uh you know she's able to stand up for herself against bullies. Like you know, Kirkman has done a really good job. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say it's just him, right? There's always an entire writing team. There's a whole writer's yeah, room. So I'll just yeah. say the show in general uh, does a really great job of giving everybody uh, their own story. Like, even Mark's mom, who, uh, you know, who who wasn't poorly written in the comic books, but now she has this entire arc where she's, uh, where she's, uh, she's investigating the death of the guardians of the globe at the, at the possible hands of her own husband. And that was one of my favorite stories from this season. Yeah. I I thought, uh, I thought they did a really good job, uh, with Debbie. She was, she was much more interesting, a lot more, uh, independent, you know, I mean, the, the, I like how they play into her fear a little bit too, right? You know, she loves her husband. She thinks she knows him, but he is the most powerful being in in this known world, right? Uh, And he could kill anyone at any time. 
And they start to kind of play with that a little bit as she tries to uncover his secrets and the fear of him finding out that she's looking into him. Uh, it's actually pretty terrifying. Oh, yeah. I remember just being completely on edge when she is asking him to go all around the globe and get different ingredients for dinner. Uh, but but meanwhile, uh, you know, she's timing how long it's going to take for him to go everywhere. And she has only like 30 minutes in order to do the work she has to do. And right. it's so tense because he kind of knows she's on to she's on to him, but he can't let on because it would confirm it. And it, it's it was just great. And Sandra Oh uh, does an awesome voice, uh, does an awesome voice, uh, does an awesome job of being uh, Debbie's voice. And uh, also, I want to talk about just her casting and Steven Yun's casting. Right. I'm not sure how many people originally read the invincible comic and thought that he would be uh asian american or, or you know or mixed but i kind of got that vibe sometimes when i was reading the comic and i was Same. and i always thought that if they did do a live action version steven yun uh or you know who played snake eyes you know but, but like <laughs> it, it it would be very appropriate to have an asian actor play him I'm not right. sure if they I, did that purposefully in the comic or not. I think Steven Yeun was a really, really good choice. I mean, he is a uh, a Kirkman Universe um, veteran, having been in The Walking Dead as Glenn for many, many years. Um, and I think he's he's been growing as an actor. He's been in other projects since. And I, I was really excited to see that they announced uh, you know him for this role. And I think he did a really good job you know, um, kind of summarizing... Uh, who Mark Grayson is and, and, and be becoming that character. Uh, so yeah, some really good casting there. And, you know, some other changes were, you know, William, who is, I believe, openly gay in the show, but in the comics, he comes out later on. So, uh, you know, I thought that was pretty great. They just kind of got right to it instead of, you know, making it this, uh, this kind of hidden thing for, for the early episodes, like in the comic, you, you had no idea until he, you know, he came out, I don't know, maybe 30 issues in or whatever it might be. Don't, don't, uh, don't quote me on that. I don't remember how many issues it was, but I, I think they were just much more open with making a, a more diverse cast, uh, of characters in the show. And I think it was all the better for it. And while I don't think they handled it poorly in the comics, I would honestly have to go back and read read that again. Uh, you know, I'm sure like Mark might have had like an immature response or something like that. So to just start off with William being gay right now and he's open about it and, you know, everyone accepts him. I think that that is a really great uh, step toward normalizing. And I think Kirkman does a fantastic job with normalizing uh, diversity in his works because it just is. It's rarely brought attention to, and these individuals are full, uh, fleshed-out individuals, you know, as full and fleshed-out as you can be while not being the title character, mind you. Um, yeah. You know, in addition to that one part of their character. William right, isn't right. just the gay guy. He's also a really great friend. Um, yeah, you know. yeah, ex exactly. And I think, you know, I mean, we've mentioned this actually in the podcast before, but Kirkman has been very open about the fact that, you know, he was a, a straight white dude who didn't really understand a lot of diversity when he first started writing. And, and as he grew as a person and saw more of the world, he realized he had it. He had to change up his cast, right? He had to add additional characters. Uh, you know, that's the walking dead's a great example of that in particular, you know, where he did that. And, and I think, you know, he figured putting this show out, he could really fix a lot of that, um, that he probably wish he had done right from the beginning of the invincible comic and as someone who, you know, went to film school to, to, to be a writer-director and, uh, you know, as someone who really enjoys writing but is also a straight white guy, you know, I, I really appreciate seeing him grow and, uh, you know, write characters that are probably outside his comfort zone, you know, and I, I hope that I could I could mimic something similar. Well, I mean, you know, 
it sucks how it's it's you know probably going to take our entire lives to get at at least an issue. But I, I think we can do an issue. I think we can do an issue and, and get that off our bucket list uh, of the usefuls. But like when we went back and looked at the first scripts that we had, you know, some of the stuff in there was a little cringy, you know, because yeah, we, yeah. we wrote it when we were young and we just thought, oh, this would be a funny gay joke to put in there. And it's like, oh, like uh, this actually yeah. doesn't hold up as well. And, you know, there really isn't a joke, you know, I mean, we probably could have written for Big Bang, but. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, we, we always talk about, I always talk about it with my girlfriend, actually, how, like, when we were kids, you would call things gay, right? If, and you didn't mean it that they were gay, you meant, like, oh, that's lame, right? That was, that was a big common thing, I think, uh, for our age group growing up. And, you know, you could say, yeah, it was a different time. I think that the important thing to note is that now that we know that's not okay, to stop using it, right? To stop doing that. So, you know, making those necessary changes to our script or, you know, to whatever we're working on is really important. We can't just leave it in there like, well, we wrote it at a different time. You know, back then it was okay. Well, it's it's not back then anymore, right? We're in the year 2021. Well, also, it wasn't okay back then. Like, we just thought it was. And you yeah, know, we yeah. Well, it was never okay, but it was commonly accepted. Was gay? Right. right. Like, right. you know, just for it, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it was commonly accepted. You know, all of our peers were doing it. And, you know, it's just weird, like to equate something that is less than stellar with uh, being homosexual. And it yeah. just I don't know it, it, it literally doesn't make any sense. You know, we were kids. But, yeah, you know, I am interested to see how that growth affects the rest of the Invincible series, because. I have a good feeling, man. I think he's going to get to tell the whole story. I think they're all going to get to tell it. And I think it's going to be – if the first season is any any sign of how things are going to go, this can be the perfect version of Invincible. This can be better than what the comic book was. And the I comic agree. book was pretty great. He It was self-titled, the greatest superhero comic book of it all was. time. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe rightfully so. Um, uh, one One other thing I wanted to talk about. With this first episode, but with the series as a whole, also is the sci-fi of it all. I am on board for all of the explanations they give, but never have to. Uh, the idea that the Viltrumites, uh, the alien race that Mark and and his his father come from, are able to just move off of air without any momentum. They can push off of nothing and and redirect their bodies. And I didn't need the explanation of how they fly, but it's totally cool that they did that. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's cool to see certain uh, superpowers in effect and, and like and not just CGI'd like they do in so many superhero movies, because we have Endgame. We have all the MCU movies like we have seen superpowers uh, animated and put to screen. But, to you know, to just see all the superheroes coming to save civilians and throwing them up into the air and then fighting and having to catch the, the, the civilians before they fall back down. Or how does super speed affect civilians who are being evacuated and they end up throwing up? Right. Um, you know, those those things are just cool to me. Or at the or at the post credit scene, folks, last time to get out before the spoilers happen. At the post credit scene of this first episode, which really tells you this took it from, oh, it's okay, to, oh, it's invincible. Uh, when we <laughs> yeah. see Omni-Man take down the Guardians of the Globe. And to see the, the Red Rush, the speedster of the group, who, you know, everyone is kind of originally made to be a joke. Um, you know, to see him actually save the Guardians of the Globe from Omni-Man until he's killed was awesome. To see him push people out of the way. To see that he can actually see faster than Omni-Man can move. Right. And, you know, of course, the stomach-churning moment of him getting his, his head 
uh, <laughs> crushed by Omni-Man's hands while he's punching at super speed and breaking his fists against Viltrumite uh, muscle. I was like, oh yeah. yeah, I guess that's how that would work, right? It, it's a, it's such a deeply unsettling scene. I, I mean, it was really well done, but I mean, it really makes your stomach churn. It's it's just ah oh, brutal. But I think I I agree. I really appreciate the hyper realism to these people in that regard, right? You know, seeing uh, a person of power, they you know if they if they hit somebody. It's going to kill them in a really brutal way, and and Invincible does not shy away from blood and gore. Um, and, and at the same time, I I wouldn't say that it, it's done uh, just just to be there. You know, it, it's not necessarily done as a joke. Let's say like in the boys, I do feel that it's you know it has a reason uh, based on you know trying to create a, a realistic physics and and science to it, as you mentioned. So you know, I I appreciate that, and I think it's really. Uh, disturbing, but intentionally done so when you see civilians being brutally murdered by supervillains or or aliens that are attacking, and the horror of it. You know, we see we see Mark kind of have to deal with this early on when he first becomes a superhero, and you know it's very traumatic when he's not able to save someone and sees them die a really horrible death. And, and I think that's something that a lot of other superhero comics, whether it be Marvel or DC, don't often get to explore. Well, yeah, when we have uh, episode two, Here Goes Nothing, like when uh, Omni-Man is out of commission and we introduce the team team, uh, the team team and everything, uh, you know, we see uh, the Flaxons have come from this other dimension where time goes by uh, a lot faster than it does in our own. So first off, I always love that. I always love the time travel stuff. They did something similar, not the time travel necessarily, but, you know, I like that idea. They did it in Interstellar. They did it in Rick and Morty. You know, it's not a new concept. You know, uh, it, Kirkman's not the first person to fucking invent it. Uh, you know, but, uh, or was it Carl Sagan? No, probably not. But, uh, you know, it's it's cool to just see those ideas at work because it's not just a superhero thing. It's also a sci-fi thing. And, you know, to follow up on what you were saying, when Mark can't save certain people, it really affects him. I love the fact that we, even in the whole first season, we don't see him fully become, quote unquote, like a an efficient superhero, at least in my opinion. You know, in this episode, right. he tries yeah. to save an old woman and he doesn't realize that by him turning so fast and flying as rambunctiously as he is, that he actually like maims her uh, while trying to save her. And he does end up bringing her to a hospital, but he's like covered in her blood and her body is limp and ragged. Like it is, it, it once again, gross to see, but it's like, wow, I never thought of that. You know, if Superman were to catch Lois Lane five feet from the ground when she fell from a, you know, when she fell from a from a building. And this is actually a Big Bang Theory quote, I think. Uh, you know, what is to stop her from being uh, cut by his hands into three pieces as yeah, he tries to catch yeah. her? Like, you know, I, 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 I really do like that idea. Um, You know, we also see Adam Eve gets to use her powers and she, uh, you know, we don't really get the idea of what her powers are until later but for lack of a better term she's an alchemist uh yeah and you know she's able to take things and change them on a molecular she can re- level she can repurpose them yes yeah and uh, I, I do think eve didn't get as much development as i was hoping for in the first season i think uh you know they really I can see that, more yeah. on the amber and uh and mark relationship so eve kind of unfortunately got a little bit pushed to the side, but I do like the idea that, you know, she sets out to make the world a better place. And, uh, 
you know, she she's trying to travel around helping the everyday people, right? Stopping floods and and fires and any kind of you know natural disasters that she can use her powers to help the earth and the people on it. Uh, I think shows just what kind of caliber of hero she is. It's not just about flashy you know substance being in the news, but actually making a difference in people's lives. And I think that's gonna really help uh, shape who she is in the coming seasons. And if I can go all Politipop podcast on it, too, I think there's a narrative to be or an allegory here to be seen, uh, you know, uh, in, in relation to law enforcement. You know, it, it was very weird for me to see these superheroes actually try to save people instead of just going into the fight. And, you know, writers take note because isn't that what a, he- a hero is supposed to save people? They're not supposed to necessarily just fight the bad guys. Yeah. And, you know, I think that when we do think of our, our law enforcement, especially in the United States, you know, with all the TV shows and copaganda we see, all we see are them, you know, wanting to shoot the bad guys and get the bad guys. But how often is it that they're going into a community and making it better? We see Eve use her godlike powers to replenish entire rainforests. We see that, you know, she's looking at things on a much more global scale. And when we get into um, Dinosaurus, was that his name? Yeah. When we get into Dinosaurus uh, later on, hopefully not too much later, uh, and actually, I'll, I'll leave that for, for you folks. I guess I won't spoil as much as I thought. <laughs> but there are multiple times that there are people in the comics who do, or characters in the comics, who do reprehensible things that lead to, to great change for the positive. And it really brings into question, what is a hero? Is a hero the person who stops things from being better just because they don't agree with the way they were done? You know, it really it really makes you think. And that's that's another part favorite part of the Invincible series for me is, you know, <laughs> it, it, it does make you think, you know, like when we went into Endgame, I thought, well, maybe the world is a better place with what Thanos did. And they didn't explore that at all, really. Steve was just like, I like whales, you know, but that was <laughs> that was really all they gave us. Uh, so, you know, I, I just I love the nuanced approach uh, to. To, to, to superheroing that is brought by uh, the Invincible lore. I agree. I'll take this moment to just say the voice cast is outstanding. Yeah, I was well. too. We're not just talking Steven Yeun. You know, uh, J.K. Simmons makes his way in. Clancy Brown. Um, uh, Gillian Jacobs. We're talking Zazie a bunch Beats. of... Zazie Beats. Yes, Domino herself. Uh, Walton Goggins. Yep. John Hamm. As, and what's so funny is John Hamm, who who's won awards for Mad Men and stuff? He I, I, one I love how he doesn't take himself seriously either. He's done joke roles on uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He's fucking hilarious. You know he's been on Comedy Bang Bang and stuff. Yeah, but he's he very takes funny. A, he you know he's a side character in this, and they they spend so much time. I don't know on who he plays. Too. Who does he play? He plays the security guard named Steve. So at the beginning oh. of the first episode, <laughs> yeah, 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 when they're yeah. talking about, and this is another thing too, right? We're talking about how law enforcement and security have to deal with superheroes in this world. That's another thing that is never really considered, right? But he's like, yeah, you know, we got to deal with laser training and super strength training and, you know, how to dodge buses being thrown at, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, huh, you know, that's that's something we never really would have thought of. So it's right, a very right. unrealistic show, but they take such a realistic approach to things. That's like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Also, they I develop love everyone. They develop like everyone, everyone in the show. You know, it's that's For the no long reason. part about it. <laughs> you I know, mean, even uh, even the Flaxen leader has his own story right. in this episode. I mean, I, Mark Hamill was in this. Marshala Ali, who is an Academy Award nominated actor, was in this. It's it's pretty wild. 
Oh man, it, yeah, it, it really. Uh, Zachary Quinto is in as uh, as as uh, as robot. Jason Manzukis, I love him. Uh, you know, yeah, as Rex Um Seth Rogen as as Alan the Alien. You know, it's just uh, it's. I I can't. I'm I'm gonna suck. Uh, it's this show a, it's an all star cast. It's it's pretty. I I can't believe they got all these people just for season one. You know. And of course, a lot of them coming from The Walking Dead. You know, we have Ross Marquand, we have uh, Lauren Cohen, uh, we also we already mentioned uh, Stephen Yeun, of course. Uh, we have uh, Who You Call an Ugly, which is the the third episode where we finally, uh, you know, we finally see Mark's dad is back. We see him putting on the act, giving a eulogy for all the all the heroes who he killed. Uh, but we see one of my favorite characters, played by Clancy Brown. Damien Darkblood, Demon Detective. And I had never seen him in the Image Comics, but Kirkman has an entire universe of characters uh, who he uses, uh, you know, in different titles. So there'll be characters you'll see in Invincible, and then you'll see them in The Astounding Wolfman, and then you'll see them here, there, you know, like, it's, um, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome to see. But uh, Damien Darkblood is is one of my favorite characters who I never knew existed, because I didn't get too into the into the invincible universe well i do know a lot of their side characters still yeah yeah same another thing i want to talk about is the representation of power and masculinity that's presented in invincible uh because we see that mark has a choice to make he can very much be like his father he can be the kind of person who you know believes that might makes right and that whatever he uh, wants to do is what's really important but the fact is he's still half human and his mom Debbie does a really great job of grounding him and one of my favorite moments is when she uh, tells him to go oh my god Carrie Payton is Black Samson aka uh, Ezekiel from The Walking Dead mm-hmm. and also Cyborg from the Teen Titans but there's this really great moment where his mom tells him to go inside and get some rest and he says make me and she says does that make you feel powerful is that what you need and he just breaks down and like sits next to her and he's like, no, I'm sorry, mom, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, that was awesome. Like she really is such a strong character in the fact that you can face down somebody who has all of this physical strength over you yeah. and still be able to, you know, assert your moral uh, dominance. You know, she's his fucking parent. She changed his diapers. I mean, she, he could flick her and kill her. Right. But the fact yeah. that that's his yeah. mother, she's a, that's her son. And, you know, she's she's not going to let him just do anything right she's going to teach him the right way and and she's not afraid to do that and we also see that there are multiple times where his father uh omni man nolan uh also like says things and does things that she's kind of like what the fuck is that like don't help people or yeah or like just like very disconnected not human things and she's surprised at this but as he sees that his son is now going to take on the family business. He, you know, of, of conquering other worlds for his alien race. Uh, you know, I think his his inner Viltrumite starts to come out. Well, it, it's interesting because I, I think Nolan might be the most complex character in this season for the fact that, you know, he is uh, a conqueror, right? He was sent to this planet to, to basically take over, um, enslave the people one way or another, and then move on. And that's why he married. He had a child so that they could take over the world together. And, you know, it really comes to a head towards the end, you know, when he decides that his secret is out, right? Everyone's on to him. They're trying to stop him. And he just starts killing mercilessly. Uh, But at the same time, he's fighting this, you know, uh, this emotion he has because he's actually come to care about this planet. 
and especially his family. You know, he loves his son so much. And, you know, seeing him kind of fight back these emotions and the memories of his son as a child at a baseball game, something that really shouldn't matter to him, that is so below, uh, you know, what, what he cares about, what his what his goals are, you know, what, why does he care about his child playing, playing baseball? And yet that memory just kind of like sticks to him, right? And, and it causes him in the end to to actually run away not kill his son and not take over the planet and i think him fighting that uh those emotions that that need to want to hold his son and tell him he loves him is something that a lot of men especially in the united states deal with right you know that that being afraid to be vulnerable and open and trying to be tough and macho and i think nolan uh, you know, we really see that struggle towards the end here. And there's a lot of little moments throughout the series that show while he does have that coldness to him, he doesn't want to do it. You know, I think when uh, when Mark first gets his powers, I forget the exact thing Nolan says, but, you know, he's, he's kind of, he doesn't seem excited about it. He actually seems kind of let down by the fact that Mark yeah. has developed and his Debbie powers. has to kick him under the table. Like, <laughs> I think yeah. he just says like "oh" or, or something like that. Like, right, but his, really it just excited. shows it all that he's not excited, and I think because he knows that means it's the end. Right now, he's going to have to go on with this plot. Whereas if Mark doesn't develop his powers, he can just keep going as is. Right, just keep going with his life and letting, uh, you know, being the world's superhero and taking care of his family. And you know, while he has that that excuse that, oh, I'm waiting for him to develop his powers, he doesn't have to embrace his Vultramite side. And then, you know, he's he's forced to. And I think it's it's very difficult for him uh, to, to have to be put in this position. And he really is torn. Yeah, I also like to think that the Viltramite expansion is a representation of imperialism. If we're talking about American imperial, imperialism well, specifically. It's literally colonizing planets, right? Just like literally, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, you know, but he, uh, you know, when I, I think... I, Obviously, it's a, it's a further version of colonization because when original colonies were made, they didn't, I don't think they improved these people's lives. Uh, I think Nolan truly believes in his mind that he is going to improve the lives of Earthlings. He says, you know, we have technology to offer. We can eradicate disease, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, but the colonizers the, felt the same thing. They thought they were going to improve. They thought these people were savages. I guess, you no, you're right. Yeah, you yeah, know, you're like, right. They, you're didn't, right yeah. they didn't actually improve it, but they thought they were. They're like, we're going to give them God. We're going to give them uh, civility. Pants. We're going to give them. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you know, they're like, they're savages, even though. Uh, it was the indigenous peoples that were that were actually bathing a lot more often, but uh, that's beside the point. Yeah, there were. Uh, I forgot. I forgot which. Uh, I forgot where it was specifically, but they were talking about it on the Zeitgeist. How like there were some conquistadors. Uh, who who like when they went to invade wherever they went to invade they said that they you know the natives thought of them as gods before they they because they lit incense as they came to them and it's like no you fucking smelled like you didn't have you like you didn't have fucking plumbing and shit you didn't you know yeah. you didn't bathe remember folks these people had you know the the new jamestown i think it was uh they had to resort to to cannibalism because they didn't even know how to work their land these aren't smart fucking people that started the country no um uh but but yeah so yeah you you know what you're absolutely right thank you thank you for correcting me on that uh but yeah you know he he so it's a representation of colonialism uh you know colonizing in general imperial imperialism in general uh you know and mark is the one who who believes really that it's more about the choice that humanity would have to make you don't want to have anything forced on you and i think another thing that you know that nolan illustrates here is that while he values the lives of his family 
he really doesn't value at least the Viltrumite part of it, right? It, he really doesn't value human lives, and it's it's illustrated in in the last episode in um, not we need to talk, but where I really come from. Yeah. That uh, that you know, and the way he demonstrates it too, you kind of agree with him, <laughs> like like really, what do humans mean if they're like paper to you? You know, they're like wet yeah. paper bags. He literally uses his own son as a weapon to decimate. A train of people. I, I, I don't know why I'm laughing about it because it was disgusting the way it yeah. was done. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, just so absurd. It's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, they, they lean into that in the comic books a lot. We see that there are Viltrumite hybrids who are imperfect and they are being used as weapons against Mark. And Mark is literally so invincible by this point that they're just splattering against his hard body. Like, like yeah. there are literally bodies being whipped at him and just exploding on contact because that's how strong Mark is. Um, so, it, it, and once again, just, I think that is, that's wild to see. I really, actually, never mind. I would not want to see a live action version no, of, uh, of this. No, really <laughs> well, gross. Just, yeah, what if it's too realistic? That's my yeah. problem. Like, what like, if it's, whoa. yeah. But I think uh, that but, yeah. uh, in watching watching Mark struggle under this this weight of his father who was far stronger than him far more experienced far more bloodthirsty and you know he he still keeps trying to save people right like his dad keeps beating the shit out of him killing people all around him and mark just keeps trying to save them you know he catches the uh the the jet fighter uh pilot and then his dad lands and just kills him. I think he crushes his head or something. And then oh yeah, uh, crushes his head right over Mark's face. He he, you know, uh, Nolan punches Mark into the city where tons of people are injured and killed. The building's collapsing, and Mark tries to save this woman and her kid, uh, and and he fails. Right, he's not able to to save them either. And he, he just keeps trying, keeps getting back up and trying to save them as his father just keeps beating, literally beating into him that they should mean nothing to him. That that you know he's. He is so much more than they will ever be that their lifespan is, but a you know a, a blink to them, right? Like you know, it's like a, a second to their lifespan, and and yet Mark still believes in doing the right thing, and and I think a lot of that comes from his mom and from the people in his life, and and probably what he thought his dad represented, and I think uh, you know the kind of the journey of of Mark is becoming the hero the world thought Omni Man was. That's that's very well put. And I think that that is really what what makes a hero. As Thor says, that's what heroes do. Right. They you know, they're not focused on just the fight. They're also focused on saving people. They are, you know, Mark, he he represents being a hero in, in the way that you 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 really shouldn't be judged by by what you do when things are easy or how you treat you know the people above you or who are equal to you right like it should be you should be judged on how you treat those who are most vulnerable and mark really does value all human life i think and uh you know even to the point like you said like it's it's um it's useless trying to do what he does but he doesn't concentrate yeah. on fighting his father he concentrates on trying on trying to save lives, no matter how fragile they are, no matter yeah, he's seen yeah. firsthand how fragile these people are. And instead of being, uh, you know, being turned off and saying, wow, I guess you're right. They are fucking insects compared to us. He's emboldened to say, you know what? They need me even more. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. It is. You know, I think at times they try to make Mark seem naive. 
uh, and Nolan is is kind of you know angered by this. There's you know where, for example, Invincible helps Titan right because Titan tells him about this uh, crime lord that's you know really ruining his city and uh, you know threatening him and his family and, and convinces Mark to help him, and Nolan thinks it's a bad idea and and Mark is almost killed trying to help him right. Uh, but he does. He goes there anyway. He, he fights alongside Titan, um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, it turns out Titan's actually going to take over as the next crime boss. But you know, he does have that thing where he's like, "Well, I'm going to help the people more, right?" Like he th- he thinks that his version of crime is going to be a better version. And I'm sure they're, yeah. you know, they'll go into that more in the next season or two. But uh, you know, I just I think we see Mark constantly make these decisions where he wants to be do the right thing. He wants to help people. You know, he goes on that mission with the astronauts, right. To, to help them again. No one thinks it's a waste of time that they shouldn't go, but, but Mark does it anyway. And he, he constantly has to put his own, uh, his own life as, as, you know, as simple as it might be being a high school student, you know, he has to, he has to blow off his girlfriend or his friends or not go on this trip because he's, he's out saving people or, you know, he has to go on this uh, space mission, but he always puts that stuff first, even though he doesn't necessarily always want to, because he knows that he has uh, with great power comes great responsibility, let's say. And uh, I, I think that's one lesson that, Nolan inadvertently started to teach him. And then by the time he tried to pull him back from it, it was already too late. Yeah. I think we're also going to see in season two, we kind of see it at the end of, of, uh, of, you know, of this season, but like what is left when everything you've known is shattered, you know, like as somebody who, you know, I looked up to my father as a hero growing up, uh, you know, I wanted to be just like him uh, in some ways, I, I, I was and am uh, to my, you know, to my chagrin, but also, you know, what is left when that image of somebody who you looked up to and modeled yourself after or who you thought they were, what's left when that's shattered, right? Mark's yeah. idea of what being a hero is came from his father. And then all of it, now he has to forge his own path and say, all right, what does being a hero mean to me? Uh, or rather, I guess I'll finish high school next. <laughs> um but uh, but yeah, and also you know I don't I don't know if it was intentional, Ty, but doing what I do, right? I think that speaks a lot to uh to the idea that he went through all this before even graduating high school. How many of us go through all these traumas and adverse childhood experiences and have to deal with very very mature things before we really are mature enough to deal with them? Um, you know, I think that without even having superpowers, that's still something that we can relate to. And, you know, they, they, wow, they did such a great job at this last episode where I really come from, uh, at the end of showing the fallout of Omni-Man and what he did and, you know, his wife is depressed and, and, you know, his, his own son, like nobody, the world, let alone his own family doesn't know what to do now that their security is gone. Their world is gone. Yeah, I mean, the greatest hero that ever protected them turned out to be their biggest threat and, and killed all the other heroes that were protecting them. It's it's pretty traumatic. And, and uh, you know, seeing Debbie just broken, you know, the man that she loved called her nothing more than a pet, right? Uh, and so, she heard that. Yeah, she heard it, you know, and seeing what he almost did to her son. I mean, he beat Mark into within an inch of his life and nearly took his life, but Mark was able to kind of touch that that human part of Nolan right just a little bit that was left 
uh, and pull him back from the brink. And, and you know, it, it's very traumatic. And, and Mark, you know, what do you do? Now the world knows you as, as the most powerful being on this planet and you're still just trying to go to college and, and uh, be with your friends and your girlfriend. And, you know, I think uh, another great, great thing I like about, you know, seeing the difference between Mark and Nolan is, you know, Alan the alien attacks, uh, comes to the, right outside the earth, like several times, right? He comes like every few years, I think it is. And in the past, no one would just go out there and beat the shit out of them and send them packing. Uh, but this time, you know, Mark goes and they fight a little bit, but Mark decides to, you know, to talk with him. And it, it turns out that Alan's been going to the wrong planet all these years. And yes. <laughs> it, right. And then in the very last episode, Alan comes back to warn Mark that there's a Viltrumite on the planet and that, you know, he might be in danger. And Alan's not even supposed to do that. But because Mark earned his respect and his trust, he wants to help him. And, you know, a uh, little bit of a spoiler, Alan's going to become a good friend to Mark. They're going to, you know, they're, we're going to see a lot more of him, I, I would expect, throughout the series as we did in the comics. And just that fact that Mark was willing to talk and engage and learn who this person was changed their entire relationship and uh will wind up changing you know the course probably of this whole world and and other worlds as we find out that alan is part of a, a coalition that's forming to fight the veltramites and uh you know again yeah, because without this connection between them mark never joins the coalition of planets exactly and who knows you know, what happens like, then right yeah the campaign <laughs> against the veltramites never goes through folks read the fucking comics uh, it's, it's so, so good. good guys <laughs> It's really fucking good, but yeah, the you know, are funny. <laughs> uh, they are, they really are. And yeah. So, you know, seeing Mark make that decision to talk with him and Alan realized, Hey, you know what? I've been, I fucked up all this time. You know, we don't have to fight. You know, I, I made a mistake. Uh, it creates a friendship an ally, whereas no one just constantly made an enemy. And again, that just highlights the kind of person Mark is. And, you know, I, I think the comic does a good job of showing Mark is not uh, perfect. He makes a lot of mistakes. But he always he always tries to make the right decision, and I think he truly does uh, capture you know what a good person, what a hero truly is, even when you know he has to make tough decisions. And you know, seeing him grow that way and and uh, become that person is is a great journey. You know, I, I think a lot of times the comic was described as like if Spider Man uh, had a beginning and an end because you know he's dealing with normal issues while also being a superhero and i think they do a really good job of that and i'm, I'm excited to see the show continue to explore mark's journey uh and you know as we learn more about the universe uh as a whole you know now we know the villagermites are out there and alan the aliens out there in the coalition there's so much more than just the earth so uh i'm sure for further seasons are going to really blow some people's minds yeah, and uh, you know, just hearing you say that, I think uh, brings up another theme that's recurring on our podcast: the younger generation. Folks. <laughs> yes, uh, you know, they are the ones, and I want to say you are the ones. You're the ones who are responsible for changing the way that things are done. You know, in the I'm gonna try not to say too much, but in the comic books, it's not just Mark's father who needs to have his mind changed, but it's you know, it, there Mark is able to you know, like you said, it seems like he's naive, but really. Through doing by trying to do the right thing and just being an empathetic person instead of a fighter first, he's able to introduce a new, a new system, a new, uh, a new way of doing things. <laughs> Same thing as a system, you know, a, a new way of doing things to not just the Viltrums, uh, Viltrumites, not just to to Earth, but but to the entire universe. And and um, you know, it's. You know, it just kind of brings into, you know, into into light, you know, when we talk about like 
oh, well, things have to be done a certain way because this is, you know, this is the system with, with you know, with, in how it works, right? Like, uh, but I think there are plenty of systems that are present in our own world, right, that kind of lead us to make decisions of desperation and, and selfish decisions and that should things be changed, we can really all become our best selves. We can be the heroes and we can help each other. You know, I yeah, think that Mark definitely. is a really great representation of that. And, you know, we'll see that Nolan is a, a very complicated character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think that, Oh, I had one last thing I wanted to talk about uh, because Kirkman makes it a point in the comic books and also in the show to, to talk about uh, the Global Defense Agency and uh, Cecil Stedman, played by yeah. Walton Goggins. And, you know, he doesn't shy away from the fact that the government is sketchy as fuck, too. And I really like that idea that, you know, Omni-Man defeats a kaiju. They take the kaiju in case they ever have to use it, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, they, uh, they're... they're, they're um, they're pumping a chemical into all of America's water supply that allows them to not see a certain uh, frequency of light uh, on the spectrum. And so they're able to hide everything that they're actually doing. Or, you know, they take a sample of Mark's blood so they can determine whether or not the Viltrumites are, you know, they can be destroyed. Like, uh, and the Rihanna men, um, uh, D.A. Sinclair and the, and the Rihanna men. Uh, played by uh, Ezra Miller, which is funny. Uh, D.A. Sinclair and the Rihanna men are actually taken into the Global Defense Agency, despite that this kid was, uh, you know, taking people, turning them into inhuman cyborgs, they end up actually being able to use his technology, despite the fact that he is a terrible person. So, you know, I think we also see the very gray area of the of the U.S. government. And, you know, Cecil kind of represents that shadow organization who's willing to do whatever it takes to ultimately keep people safe. But, uh, you know, it kind of doesn't end justify the means uh, kind of scenario. And um, I mean, at this point, we honestly don't know. Right. But yeah. uh, Yeah. I I agree. Cecil Stedman's a, he's an interesting character, a street shooter yet shady as fuck. So it's, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so much, you know, obviously we could be here all day talking about this show. It's great. You know, we didn't really go into robot who is a very complicated character. Um, and you know, all, all these other, you know, members of, of, uh, the guardians of the globe, but, uh, you know, I, I highly recommend and the cool the ways in which they illustrate their powers too. Yeah. you know, like yeah. it's different seeing it, uh, animated instead of just seeing it on, uh, you know, on the page. And, uh, you know, like, like you said, Adam Eve could, could have done with more development, but I really like the stuff they did with her, you know, during the teen team tryouts, the new guardians of the globe, um, you know, finding out about black Samson's powers and monster girls powers. Like folks, you, you really got to get into it. You know, seeing Adam yeah. Eve beat the shit out of these guys who are 10 times bigger than her. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's super cool just yeah. to see the teamwork idea and to see, uh, see all the characters develop. Yeah. It really even even the original Guardians of the Globe, I mean, seeing them in action against Nolan in that first episode, I think it's a lot more effective than how it was done in the comic. Uh, you know, you kind of yeah, just, because just in the book, them. yeah, in the book he had he had them. That was it. They put up a fight in the show. Like they almost they almost take him down. Yeah, you know, if it weren't for yep. the fact that he had been working with them, and even then he didn't really use any of that prep time, right? Because no. he could have done so much better, but. He's might makes right, you know? He doesn't think the way that... He, for somebody who tells his son to think so much, he actually doesn't do that much thinking, does he? Think, Mark, he, think. Think, Mark, <laughs> think. Uh, but oh, yes. yeah, we also got the, the the year's best meme out of it, so... That, 
That's that's pretty great. That, yes, I also uh, I also enjoy the look what they need to mimic a fraction of our power meme. That's that's another one of my favorites. That's another great one. Oh, there's uh, a lot of Walking Dead actors in this. Lauren Cohen was in it. Chad Coleman. That's yeah, Tyrese, that's, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. James. <laughs> wow. There's a lot. <laughs> Sonequa Mar- Martin Green. I mean, like the entire cast of The Walking Dead was pretty much in this. So. <laughs> you know, use them if you got them. I guess, right? But yeah, I think that that just about does it for me with Invincible. Did we have anything we were planning to review next week, or are we just going to see what happens? Yeah, we're just going to see what happens, I think. I, I have some pitches, but we'll talk uh, off mic about it. All right. that Yeah, that, that works fine for me. Um, you know, folks, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, thanks for tuning in, as always. We really appreciate it. And for those of you who are still listening, we really appreciate your... Uh, you know your patience with us as the podcast kind of goes through its uh through through flux at the moment um you know in the meantime hopefully these loki mini reviews give give y'all a little bit of life (laughs) and uh i guess the next next week is the last loki episode so i mean maybe we review that yeah i think we i think we did that for uh falcon and winter soldier i was gonna i was gonna suggest that yeah okay yeah so all right folks so next week we will be uh reviewing the season finale uh, of all six episodes of uh, of, of uh, Disney Plus's Loki. Uh, but in the meantime, in between time, folks, listen to us, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at PolitipopPod, Instagram at PolitipopPodcast. You can email us at politipopcast at gmail.com to let us know uh, what you thought of, of the episode or, or whatever. Just let us know. Um, and uh, once again, just please subscribe, rate, and review the least you can do and it helps us out so much helps us out immensely you can find our show notes and sources kind of at politipoppodcast.wordpress.com and uh, once again just thanks for listening and special thanks to Antonia Hava for logo design for the Politipop Podcast I've been Mike Booch I have been Ty and remember no matter what you're watching what you're reading what you're listening to please never stop thinking never stop learning and always remember to just read between the lines and scene <laughs>